Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready, so let us begin. This week, the story is about those middle characters, those we like, but probably not enough to place them in the top 22. This is the second part in our trilogy, going back and forth, ranking our collective favorite 66 Star Wars characters in our own Order 66, if you will. So we placed Yoda in the number one spot, uh, Boba Fett in 22nd. Ross, you and I were just talking off mic about how your favorite Star Wars character list is like ever in flux. It changes day to day. So do you think we're going to get to the end of this exercise next week and want to make changes immediately? I think we should be open to doing that. I actually love that idea. And I, I, I think that's a fantastic idea. Let's go through the list when it's done and make changes based on like, this is wrong. We need to drop this person yeah. five slots or like these two seem just like a, an obvious, let's flip those back and forth. I, I think that's a really good idea. And also in the end, um, we're going to have to have like our, what are our, our top six biggest snubs, the ones that we feel the worst about not including on the list. I, I can guarantee you by the time we're at the end, my opinions will have changed on something in the first 44 that would make, I'm sure it'd be minor, but if you consume any piece of content that has any of those characters, uh, even if you've seen it for the 10th time, sometimes it brings something new and can make you change your your mind and bump Maul and ahead of Bail Organa or something weird like that. There's always weird little things that can, that can change your mind over time. Well, we have very different relationships to expanded Star Wars. And so I actually can't imagine, having like worked on this now for two weeks and I'm still not fully done creating my own list of 66 people, I really can't imagine I'm going to feel like I've snubbed anybody because I'm already scraping the barrel and including people that I frankly don't like. Oh, I will hardcore be snubbing people. Yeah. Uh, there are some people uh, like I could go right now and I could pull somebody who I've ranked outside the top hundred who uh, some people would have ranked in their top 20. Wow. And uh, not many people, um, but some people and certainly a lot, certainly some people that will be on your list. Um, I would have outside the top hundred. Okay. Well, don't step sure. step on anything. It is your turn because I made the last choice. Uh, so please name for us, on behalf of both of us, our twenty third favorite Star Wars character. This character did everything that they possibly could to to get into that top twenty two, uh, and certainly had the potential to. And it's certainly what we all expected of this character. And I'm hoping this character has the opportunity to rise up. And that would be Finn. Uh, Finn, we just didn't get enough Finn. His story kind of doesn't feel complete. And so it's it's hard to, to rank him necessarily a ton higher. Uh, but Finn is so likable from the second you first see him. Uh, you know about, okay, kind of the hesitation that he has and that he has compassion by seeing his uh, faceless stormtrooper uh, and his hesitations uh, on Jakku. Uh, and then you go and see him like free Poe and they have this hilarious banter right out of the gate. And it's so incredibly Star Warsy. And the number of people that wanted to see John Boyega and Finn lead that trilogy, uh, while some of it came from dislike of uh, the people who did lead the trilogy uh, a little bit more in the back half, I fully stood in their camp of feeling like his story wasn't realized in, in the best possible way. And although I'm not a big fan of everything in the Duel of the Fates script, I think the the most 
the worst part that we missed out on was Finn leading a, a really grand uprising of stormtroopers on Coruscant, but something that really feels like it makes a mark on the galaxy, whereas Finn is purely uh, a sidekick and a bit of a footnote in the Skywalker saga. But Finn has a bigger story, and I can't wait to, to explore that more because he's just such a likable, great protagonist. So much when we talk about the issues with Rise of Skywalker, we, we discuss Palpatine and how that was a flawed concept. Maybe so, um, but I think actually an even more glaring mistake, and I don't even know how you can make this oversight, is just the decision to use less of John Boyega, who oozes charisma. And, you know, in, in a big way, uh, is is a lot of glue for The Force Awakens to work. Because Definitely. he's kind of this, like, character that doesn't fall into the Star Wars archetypes in quite so simple away like if if ray is the new luke um and you know poe is the new han I, i'm not really sure who poe is or finn is supposed to be like he kind of seems very fresh as as finn is supposed to feel in the force awakens and it's it is such a shame that he's not fulfilled properly the way you said that just just made me click in my mind uh something i never thought about before uh he's almost the 3PO in place of BB-8's R2. Oh. Because they're the, well, think about it this way, in that they're the characters that take us through the movie. Yeah. BB-8 starts with Poe, starts with the Resistance, travels to Rey, comes back to the Resistance, and then blows up Starkiller Base. Uh, you have Finn, who travels with Kylo Ren uh, and the First Order to Jakku, and then frees Poe, and then joins the resistance and then goes with Han Solo to Star Killer Base and then comes back with Rey. Like we follow, we'd actually follow these characters um, to introduce us to so many of the new characters in this uh, trilogy. And that's something that is maybe understated because they have such great introductions in the sequel trilogy, which is one of its highlights. In number 24, I'm going to put in Padme Amidala, probably the character in Star Wars with the most screen time who we haven't listed thus far. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, and I also don't want to like spend this entire hour like justifying my choices based on like some of the imperfections of the characters. Like, yes, dialogue is bad in Attack of the Clones. But their attempt here was to create a heroine who was as badass as Princess Leia, but in different ways. And they were actually very effective in doing that. Like, first of all, she's this almost like spy figure in The Phantom Menace and also the girl next door. And then in Attack of the Clones, she's a downright warrior. And in Revenge of the Sith, she's an incredibly tragic family figure. And it is all a part of the story of her being this expert politician and diplomat. Natalie Portman's a great actor it's you know not her best performance ever but just what padme contributes to the overall uh star wars saga and in particular the skywalker saga uh and the downfall of anakin massively important and i have a lot of love for padme perfectly said uh, not much more i can really add she was next on my list so perfect choice there i completely agree uh, she's a very compassionate character, something that's really necessary in the prequels because there's not that many people that have a ton of compassion and caring. There's Shmi and Padme and like little bits of, like of a couple other people sprinkled throughout, but you need that when you have the the fall of Darth Vader going on as your as your main plot line. Uh, but it is disappointing that we've seen 
so little reference to Padme in main material yeah. ever since the prequels. Uh, no shout out in The Rise of Skywalker at all, which kind of sucks. Mm. Uh, that was something that kind of seems like a good opportunity. Minimal shout out in Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, although beautiful job on the shout outs. I really love those moments. So yes, excellent choice here with Padme. Uh, number 25. Uh, number 25 would be uh, the most screen time of any character we've not listed yet, and that'd be C-3PO. Oh, of course. Uh, oh, yeah, that is more than easily. Padme. Good point. Um, and uh, what is there to say? Is 3PO is friggin' hilarious. Sure. He is probably the funniest character in Star Wars, whether you're laughing with him or more frequently at him uh, alongside R2. And he's part of a classic comedic duo. Uh, we love R2 for his heroism, but 3PO's... 3PO plays a huge role. He's able to uh, covertly talk for R2 and get them out of certain situations. He's able to uh, put on this kind of meek posterior to get them into interesting situations where uh, brute force isn't going to necessarily get you in that area. He's a protocol droid uh, that like gets handed down uh, from generations. He's also the third Skywalker child. He's Anakin's son, too. <laughs> um, so true. So... It, that's kind of forgotten about. Uh, also, one thing that's a really cool, I forget where it comes from, whether it's um, from a comic or the original uh, novel of Attack of the Clones. Um, but uh, for wedding gifts, Anakin and Padme trade droids. Uh, so Padme at that time owns R2 and Anakin owns 3PO. Of and course. they're like, I have no use for this one. And I love you. I love yours and vice versa. And so they trade. I love that. Uh, and in that's the end, cool. in the end, they all go to the the Organas. But I think that's just like a sweet moment uh, and a nice one to kind of connect the two between Padme and three PO. But three PO is is one of the key hearts of all of Star Wars uh, and is so iconic. Uh, and his connection with Anthony Daniels, they're wonderful ambassadors for Star Wars. Uh, he was that introductory voice to the audio um, shorts that we would listen to in the car. Uh, gotta love C three PO. I just I'm, I'm hung up on a thing you said uh, and now all I can picture is 3PO in the Tatooine desert and he's approached by like an old beggar woman and she says who are you and he says C-3PO and she says C-3PO who and he says C-3PO Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never thought of it that way but I really love it and and you're you're totally right. Who are like, you? <laughs> I don't know why we we took so long to get around to this like I guess because he's like a little annoying sometimes or he's a little simplistic but the the sense of humor of of C-3PO is a huge part of the soul of Star Wars at its very origins and has continued, it's evergreen. It's just stayed as as exactly as it was. And that's very, very important. Number 26 is Mace Windu. You probably Windu. didn't notice me by my red arm. Like just like little moments <laughs> like that are fantastic. Uh, I'm gonna put Mace Windu in next. And this is just purely uh, uh, like popcorn eating movie fan decision like not because the development of this character at least cinematically is so so important but like for some reason everybody knows who mace windu is and it might be because samuel L. jackson is like one of the top grossing movie stars of all time it might be because of the purple lightsaber it might be because of the beheading of Django fett or just the council stuff where he like brings a lot of credibility to those scenes as an actor I, he's like frustrating and he's a badass and he's cool and he's 
like maybe kind of sinister at times. And we talk about it a lot on this podcast that I, I just feel a little unfulfilled with the totality of the Mace Windu story. And maybe I have to be at peace with that because it probably is complete. But this is just a million different ways to say he's very cool and I want him in the top 26. He is very cool. This is easily the biggest deviation we've had this far. I had him in the 50s um, just purely on the basis of He's not likable. He's portrayed incredibly well. Mace Windu is one of the first names George Lucas ever came up with. He is the second in command to Yoda during uh, a very powerful time. Uh, he's got a, an awesome lightsaber. He defeats Palpatine in a duel. He's badass. But at the same time, he's kind of a dick and he's a little boring. Uh, so he's somebody that I would love to see an interesting story fleshed out about him. Um, really going up against like a tough challenge, something that really puts him to the test, um, but makes him maybe question himself. But then again, that doesn't seem like something he's ever experienced because that's the reason why the Jedi order fell. So he's an interesting character for sure. Uh, I struggled to put him uh, this high, but um, for his importance in star Wars, I could never argue. You're going to get tired of repeating that. This is the biggest gap we've had yet, because like, if you, if you're putting Mace Windu in the fifties, we're not playing the same game at all. I struggled to come up with even half that many people. And so yeah, I, I feel like I'm the everyman when I say Mace Windu is cool and he belongs in the top 26. Totally. And that's the thing. Like, there are also characters who just, who have maybe a little more screen time, a little less screen time, similar screen time, but are sig but more footnotes in Star Wars that all have ranked higher than a lot of people because of the frequency in which I consume Star Wars mm. uh, and that they're screen time just has more value and you're able to kind of see them in different ways. So it makes complete sense. Uh, and uh, I think there will be some uh, ones that are pretty close. But yeah, there's going to be some big deviation as we move forward. Uh, and But I'm going to keep pointing them up. Okay, uh, go for number 27. Uh, number 27, uh, there was a bit of a stretch here of the ones from last week that we had covered. But uh, my next one would be Captain Rex. And Captain mm. Rex is such a damn good clone. Uh, he is introduced... Uh, through the Clone Wars and the way that you get taken on the journey of him in the movie as uh, this kind of no-nonsense right-hand Anakin who's kind of annoyed with Ahsoka, but our perspective as to a clone with a little bit of personality who's not a fet. It was really kind of interesting to dive deeper into that. And it's like, okay, there's another guy aside from Cody. This guy works with Anakin. And so maybe he's a little bit more flexible. Okay, I see why he works well with Anakin. He's able to go a little bit more um maybe off off the off the book than uh, someone who works alongside Obi-Wan would. Uh, and I think it was really great the way that they explored an entire series about the Clone Wars and made clones, people who are just replicas of others. Uh, stand out and the fact that Rex stands out as such an important character, a top 30 character in Star Wars. Mm. Uh, and to me, I think I'm at, at, at 25. Uh, that's incredible as someone who's one of millions uh, to have so much heart and the way that he struggles to want to kill Ahsoka. And then that he, after he gets his chip out, the bravery that he shows to go up against all his, his brothers uh, and side with the Jedi because he knows it's right. And there's still so much more in his story, but the way he rejoins the Rebellion, uh, despite having a lot of trauma there, uh, Rex is a phenomenal character. When are we going to see Captain Rex in live action? Ahsoka? 
Yes, that is the easily the most likely. Uh, I, I I can't imagine another spot in making any more sense. And I would be disappointed if he's not in Ahsoka. They're so closely linked over like over the course of the series, they easily became a, a classic duo in Star Wars. And uh, that's something I, I want to see continued. Yeah, it's kind of surprising that we haven't seen that already, but I, I'm looking forward to that. I obviously can't say anything that you haven't said about Captain Rex. I really like what I've seen, uh, spent a lot of time with him in the bits of the Clone Wars that I've I've watched, um, and he's very, very cool. And just like conceptually, the idea of him, the heroic clone, is super cool, and uh, I think this is a great choice. In 28, this is, um, at least to me, the newest addition to my list, the character that I've known about the least amount of time to at least have reached this high. Uh, and it won't surprise you, Cobb Vanth in, in 28th. Look, I, I just have a big old crush on Timothy Oliphant. I've said it many times before. Uh, talking of charisma, I've almost seen nothing like it. <laughs> and that, he, he was in the first season, and well, he was in the first season, right, of Mando? No. Uh, no. Oh, okay. So he was first, in the first episode of season two. Right. His first appearance is that crate dragon episode, which is one of my favorite episodes of of the Mandalorian. And every time he comes back, um, just so incredibly interesting. And I, I ranked Boba Fett a little bit higher on this list because you know obviously that has a more essentially Star Wars uh, DNA to it. But that he falls into the Boba Fett story with his relationship to the armor and his own heroic. Uh, uh, post within his little western community it's perfect for the actor that they cast the character is terribly cool too and i can't wait to see more of them yes awesome choice love cobb vanth uh cobb vanth is uh pretty close actually i have him in my 30s uh he just oozes cool yeah he's a sheriff in a galaxy far far away he's a classic western character you get a classic modern western action kind of guy and that little mini movie is phenomenal and it's because they make a great team. He's able to come in and kind of steal the show a little bit away from a couple guys who are real show stealers. Yeah. Uh, Cobb Banth is, is fantastic. Great to see him in book of Boba Fett as well. I think we're going to see a lot more Cobb Banth. I think, I think he's definitely, I'm, I'm very happy. He did not die in book of Boba Fett. Um, and also them indicating by that, showing that back to tank near the end, it's clear that story is going to continue on and probably through one of the shows we've already been introduced to, but I would be very eager for it to be a different show, whether that's uh, one of the ones that's currently underway in production has been discussed or hasn't been discussed. I don't think they want to toss him away too hastily. I think he's money. He's excellent. Uh, 29. Yeah. 29. Let's see. Next up on the list, this is a character who I actually don't know. This might be the first character who I don't think you've... I don't know. You you wouldn't have seen Hera. Did we, did, have you watched any Rebels? Uh, yeah, I've seen the odd episode of Rebels. I've seen like the, the Darth Maul stuff with Obi-Wan and like, but no, like very, very little. I feel like I have seen Hera before, but minimally, if, if at all. Yeah. Well, Hera and Kanan would have been mentioned thus far, but this is a character who I, you definitely haven't seen. That'd be Hondo. And Hondo is the hilarious space pirate. He is one of the funniest characters in all of Star Wars from a quality humor sense like it's it's good quality dad jokes um with a little bit of like of a sadistic twist to it because he's a crazy space pirate uh who both 
hates the Jedi and loves the Jedi. Uh, and he has some of the most classic lines in the entire uh, Clone Wars. Um, like, I think after he, I forget exactly the specific line, but just in terms of he's going on this huge barrage and fight. And after he's put up every last bit of an effort uh, and he's totally lost completely, he just kind of says, well, this endeavor's no longer profitable and just kind of runs off. And he consistently pops up. He becomes a kookier old old man sort of pirate in Rebels and becomes good friends with Ezra. And so I can definitely foresee him coming into live action pretty soon. He is one of the guiding characters in Galaxy's Edge. He is one of the, the best... Um, animated uh, characters there is in terms of uh, an opportunity for transferring it to live action. He's a weak way, so it's going to be an extremely easy transition if they want to make it. I can't wait for you to be introduced to more Hondo because he is a hoot. You have talked about him before as this like charming scallywag, which of course is an archetype within Star Wars, most notably yeah. Han and Lando, which his name kind of sounds like a composite of. Probably not on purpose, oh, yeah. although it's... <laughs> I hope not, but maybe. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm curious to see him because that's like obviously a really great framing for a new character. And he's an alien. He's not, he's not a human. Yeah, he's an alien. So he's a weak way. Um, a lot of uh, weak way are on like Jabba's sail barge and whatnot. They have like the really scaly skin uh, and are just a kind of a, a general pirate crew. And he always has a bunch of like idiot henchmen that work for him. It's like great fodder for an episode of The Mandalorian even uh, to be a, a foe that would turn a friend. Uh, so he's a character that just pops up in Star Wars and always makes sense to just like, oh, it's 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 a Hondo episode. And so uh, I love that. Number 30, Gran Moff Tarkin, an incredible villain with a very minimal amount of Star Wars footprint, but he actually kind of serves as like the blueprint for so many Imperial officers and First Order officers that follow after him. It's so interesting that in a movie that set out to create this scary phantom supervillain in Darth Vader, also was clever enough to create this like evil bureaucrat who actually wasn't afraid of Darth Vader at all. Or if he was, he didn't show it. It created such an air of uh, authority and evil in Tarkin that he could command this vicious space station with like perfect aplomb and grace. And like the, the look of Peter Cushing is so specific. Um, I don't know that much about like the backstory of Tarkin. I know it's like one of the preferred um, uh, legends books. The Tarkin story is like an interesting person in general, but like just the the minimal amount. He probably has like eleven minutes of screen time in all of main Star Wars, and it's so effective. Tarkin is like honestly one of the great villains. Certainly one of the great non Force using villains. <clears throat> Absolutely. And, and extremely well said. Uh, I had Tarkin ranked exactly at 30 as well. So I think this is really accurate. He is a fan fascinating character. He's somebody who, while so prim and proper, also is a very primitive person. He comes from uh, a hunting family, uh, a family that feeds off the earth and like fights wild animals. And uh, it plays like this, like basically survival game uh, as it runs through the family where they strand somebody in the wilderness to go fight off beasts. Like he is a crazy tough bastard. Yeah. He has dealt with like 
horrible family, a horrible upbringing. Um, and he loved every minute of it because he's just a <laughs> miserable man. Uh, he's the one who has a lot of influence over the Nazi-like uniforms that the Imperials wear. He is uh, somebody that Palpatine installed at a very early point in the Empire, as we see in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, and he just continues to, to pop up in Star Wars because he is such a phenomenal, ominous presence. He creates fear by saying anything. It doesn't matter what he says. It creates fear. You know the people in the room are scared. And that's incredible for someone who apparently was so lovely as Peter Cushing. Apparently he was just wonderful as yeah. a person. Uh, and so that's always really nice to hear as well. Uh, and I think he spoke very highly about his Star Wars experience and, and was good friends with Count Dooku behind the scenes. So just overall, a great choice there. I would uh, completely agree with that selection. He also never loses his temper. Like, he never raises his voice. It's not like, you know, the rebels have tried his last patience. Like, he... What? Evacuate in a moment of triumph? <laughs> like, that's his most... That's the most frustrated he gets? That's it. Just a little perturbed. No, I, th I think that just, like speaks to his sense of control and power makes him all the scarier uh your turn mm -hmm. for number 31 please number 31 and we are going to a character that uh, i think you would have been first introduced to through the book of boba fett hmm. and that would be cad bane uh the most fearsome bounty hunter in the galaxy far far away and uh, the top bounty hunter on my list uh cad bane is just so badass he was the guy that Palpatine hired out to kidnap children in the Clone Wars. Yeah. He's the guy that basically makes fun. He makes fun of Boba Fett, calling him like basically a, an old man and a little kid at the same time. Uh, he is rickety and he has um, just like this attitude about him that just really works in the book of Bo Boba Fett, where he's this kind of grizzled and run down version of himself. But when he's in his prime, uh, in the Clone Wars, he is spry. He has like rocket boots. He is one of the like he remains one of the best gunslingers around, as shown in the Book of Boba Fett. Uh, but he takes on Jedi. He is so impressive and does so with a ridiculous big cowboy hat and yeah. somehow manages to not be hilariously stupid, but in fact incredibly badass. Uh, Cad Bane is a fantastic creation of the Clone Wars, and uh, I'm really happy he's introduced to live action because he is a fun character and also has some really great lines. You're absolutely right. Like the, the cowboy hat thing could definitely come off really corny, and maybe it helps for my introduction and most people's introduction to him in like a very Western, like uh, high noon kind of setting. Uh, that he rolls into town this black hat and he's like a, a classic Western outlaw. It's very, very cool. But the, like, then the character design as well. I've never seen this type of alien anywhere else in Star Wars. And it's like very creepy and gross. And um, obviously the world has no shortage of like movies with blue aliens in them now. But like he still has something very unique to him. Uh, and it took mm. me a second to remember who Cad Bane was because I guess I forgot his name, but I've, I've certainly not forgotten about that scene where he gets uh, where he uh, he shows up and then he's defeated. Perhaps because it also features uh, my boy Cobb Banth. But yeah, I, I I love that moment. One of the best moments, probably the best non-Mando moment in the book of Boba Fett. 
Yeah, so I mean, so non Mando Luke uh, adjacent stuff. Yes, absolutely. He really brings that up and should have been a more prominent character throughout the whole series so that people could have enjoyed that a little bit more. But his introduction was pretty incredible. Number 32. Uh, you're next up on the list. Number 32 is Poe Dameron, who is where Star Wars gets to be its most winky in recent years. Um, and they cast him incredibly well, just like an absolute presence particularly in The Force Awakens, set a, to a tone in an incredible way. A lot of what Poe has to do, and frankly, a lot of what Poe does best, is sort of fly solo. Yes, his scenes with Finn are kind of the heart of the character, and that's really touching, and his later on relationship with Leia is really important. He's a little frustrating as a guy in The Last Jedi, and then like Finn, his character's not really given a whole lot to, like, go on in the conclusion of that story but similarly to finn the way he arrives on the scene is so damn good that i do feel like there's ample room for for more post story going forward i don't know if we're going to get it from oscar isaac but yeah i'm, I'm not really going out on a limb to say that poe dameron's really really awesome yeah, no, that, that's that's a, a great pick. I have him. I am a fair bit lower, but certainly not like a crazy amount lower. I I really am disappointed by everything we got after the Force Awakens. I actually he'd be he would not make my top sixty six if we didn't have the Force Awakens. Not a chance. Interesting. Uh, I think he's pretty boring and predictable in the rise of skywalker he's great in the in the, in like the first sequence where they're light speed skipping i think that's awesome i think i think he kills it. it's really funny he's got the great kind of humor that felt similar to that of uh the rise of, uh the sorry the force awakens and like when he's uh bantering with ray uh on angel Claus, that that also really really works i love that stuff uh but he's annoying in the last jedi i find but like you said he kind of makes up for all of that with how goddamn charming he is in The Force Awakens. Uh, like what you talk, me, who talks first? You or me? Uh, I can't really hear with the whole apparatus thing. It's just like he's <laughs> just in the relationship he has with BB-8. Like it's like his little dog. Uh, he is so likable. The relationship he has with Poe, I'm uh, sorry, with, with Finn. It, they just are a great team. He's somebody that, of course, we want to see back. I don't want to see it half-assed, and so I kind of want to see it to be something with some meat on the bones, but then again, I don't know if he's going to come back in a large capacity, so it's got to be something that is maybe small with some good nuance, or give him the, the Harrison Ford treatment, so like, we'll give you one really good more, and then we'll kill you, we right. promise. Yeah. Uh, so some, something like that, we'll give you a good death too, let your son do it. Um, <laughs> so like, there's, there's opportunity there that I'm sure we'll see him again, and his story will close up in, in a really, really nice way. Uh, but overall, uh, what we have, uh, he, he's plenty of charm to go around. So your next pick closes out the first half of this ambitious exercise picking 33 of 66 what's in 33rd oh bachunka that was my next one. Oh, 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 oh. jabba the hut totally oh, love me some jabba the hut now for a pile of mud that uh, looks like a, a, a mobster and was based off of an Irishman who dressed like a Viking. Jabba the Hutt is everything that shouldn't work, but 
totally works. Uh, he embodies Star Wars. Uh, I've gr I've grew up with the special editions, so I kind of always have imagined him in in A New Hope, even though a lot of people didn't have him until Return of the Jedi. But in that same capacity, Jabba the Hutt is this presence. He's a presence that looms in the prequels as well, because there's Hutt territory. He plays a key role in the Clone Wars for that. He is a kingpin. And yet he's just this giant tub of lard. But who takes him down? Our very own hut slayer, Leia. And she chokes him out where her and her brother pull off this great capture of Han Solo. And that's, that's a, a phenomenal end and an explosion for Jabba the Hutt. That's what you need to take out a vile gangster like Jabba the Hutt. You need to blow up his sail barge. You need to pull off some incredible stunts. Jabba the Hutt uh, gives us some incredible Hatties. He says it with force and vigor. He's intimidating. He's fun. Uh, he's a silly action figure to have. I think he took him seven men to operate him. Jabba the <laughs> Hutt screen Star Wars. I love Jabba the Hutt. I want more Jabba the Hutt. You're absolutely right. He is so fundamental to like the very spirit of Star Wars because he captures like all of the important aspects. Like he's, he's, a brand new thing before Jabba the Hutt. You'd never seen anything that was like Jabba the Hutt before. He doesn't bring a lot of stakes to the overall story, but like the time you spend with him is just so delicious and good. He has a ton of personality for a character who doesn't speak English. And I feel like they've been like trying to come up with like new versions of that archetype, uh, again and again, none of them as effectively as Jabba the Hutt. For some reason, the example that jumps to mind is the worm at the start of Solo. Like, that's supposed to be, like, that movie's Jabba the Hutt, and it's just she not... spoke English, though. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah, I think you that is part of the problem. You need an intimidating language. Totally. Um, and also, Jabba the Hutt is funny. Like, there's tons of, of humor in the Jabba scenes, and that's really important in Star Wars as well. And I actually was going to say this if you didn't next, so obviously I agree. Excellent. Colin, my bookie. Okay. Now, 34, I suddenly find myself like lost in the first half I've been very confident in all my picks I've been like okay I know what to say next and now I'm looking at this list that I've been working on for the last week and I don't feel like any anybody on it is deserving of 34 I'm not saying they're not deserving of like 36 or really? 39 or or 51 or 62 I'm just saying like I don't know if I like any of these people to be next to Jabba the Hutt, for example, or like it just feels like I'm taking a huge shift away from uh, my concrete favorite Star Wars characters with this next pick. And so, so you feel like there's a nice clean line at that halfway point. I, That's I, so I really do. I re I'm just noticing that right now. Like it feels like this jump is going to be a big jump for me. I see an obvious next choice, um, but it may not be obvious to everyone because I think there are a handful of maybe obvious ones, but I'm surprised. Uh, my next choice, I'm surprised, is not your obvious next choice. I've got characters go I'm excited it. to talk about. I just, I, it would be irresponsible for me to uh, slot them in next. I think my choice for number 34 is Count Dooku, who, yeah, you think the same thing? I mean, that was like, my next choice as well. Like, again, from recent developments. Again, like, they've, actually done a better job over 40 odd years of star wars in creating fresh and completely different villains than they have with heroes frankly the heroes fall into the same archetypes from movie to movie series to series but they always manage to come up with a villain who's like 
not the same thing we've seen at all before. He's like an aristocrat, and he's um, stately, and he has shades of Tarkin, obviously, but then there's this other history where he was once aligned with the Jedi, and he's ultimately a very fallible, kind of a foolish character in the grand Emperor Palpatine scheme, which makes him kind of a tragic figure, although you don't really sympathize with him because also he was evil. Christopher Lee brings a gravitas to uh, like a, a villain of this nature like nobody else could. He holds himself different. He's much older as a human than almost any other Star Wars character of this magnitude. Um, and so actually, as I say it, I feel very confident in, in this choice. 34, Count Dooku. Yeah, and that's why I was kind of surprised, because I completely agree with you for all those reasons. I think he makes a ton of sense. And to me, some of the most recent content is his best content. Yeah. I'm currently, uh, I'm, I'm almost at the end of uh, Dooku Jedi Lost. Uh, that's an audio play. Uh, it came out a couple of years ago, and I've just, I've been dragging my heels, and it's excellent. Uh, and after just watching Jedi Fallen Order, not Jedi Fallen Order, geez, uh, I'm getting all my stuff mixed up today. <laughs> uh, Tales of the Jedi. Uh, it was it's such a great resurgence of all these Dooku stories. It adds so many layers to him. It makes him more sympathetic, but he is still a, a scumbag and pure evil. And so it's, well, I shouldn't say he's pure evil, but at the end he does succumb to the dark side and uh, really evil, horrific things that he commits atrocities in the clone wars. And so he's a, a fascinating character and one that I'm glad they're exploring more of. And we still have a lot more to potentially explore about uh, Sifo Dyas and him that uh, I didn't quite realize how close they were. I knew kind of uh, I'd heard a little bit about that, but just in, in enjoying the audio drama, they were like best friends uh, in the Jedi Order. And so the fact that he sells Sifo Dyas up the river to Palpatine and like the rest of the Jedi Order is is pretty bad. So good choice with Dooku there. Great. Okay. Uh, what is number thirty five? Next on the list, uh, just by kind of the way things fell, it would be his apprentice during the Clone Wars, and that would be Asajj Ventress. Uh, Ventress is a is a really great character, somebody that uh, is in the first episode of the Clone Wars, is in the Clone Wars movie, and is really annoying to me in those kind of uh, introductions, is so one-dimensional, uh, is in the, the Tartakovsky uh, version of the, the Clone Wars as well, and so that's like, that that's another kind of introduction there, but I didn't really watch those as much. But Ventress really develops and grows and has a wonderful arc of pain and loss and sacrifice. Uh, and I read Dark Disciple, is, I think it might have been the like the first or second Star Wars novel I ever read. And that's a story of her and Quinlan Voss uh, and Quinlan Voss's kind of undercover attempt to assassinate Dooku. Uh, and needing to learn a little bit more about how Dooku operates from his shunned former Padawan Ventress. And Ventress really goes on a, a great redemption arc uh, and in, in the end uh, dies in, in, a, in a very kind of fulfilling manner, uh, losing all of her siblings and the Night Sisters when Dooku uh, and Grievous kind of wipe them out. A uh, very tragic and fascinating character with a lot of spunk uh, and great lightsaber duels with Ahsoka and Obi-Wan scattered throughout the Clone Wars. So a character that has fun and also a wonderful arc and explored through a lot of different mediums, uh, which is really great. Also one of the main characters in Dooku Jedi Lost. So getting a really great side uh, adventurous uh, and also maybe a little bit of a recency bias there as well. Uh, but I think certainly very worthy of the next slide on the list. 
Okay, I don't know anything about Asad Ventress. Uh, you've talked about this person a few times before, but I don't know wow. that I've ever interacted with this character. Maybe I have, but it hasn't left right. a huge impression on me. I don't think you would have. Uh, and this is one where there's not necessarily a phenomenal arc with Ventress. There's a couple of good ones, but not necessarily the, the first ones I would show you, uh, but a character that has so much screen time uh, throughout the Clone Wars and through, I guess, other mediums that um, it, it makes complete sense that I would be, um, it, it would be kind of a blind spot, but uh, an area that uh, I, I certainly enjoy. But uh, yeah, that's fair. So that's that's kind of an interesting one that we'll have a little star next to on the list. Uh, what's next up for you? This might be a little radical, but I'm inclined to say, and I'm in a bit of a villain streak here, but I'm inclined to say Moff Gideon, who we haven't like spent that much time with but all of it yeah. has been like absolutely stellar the introduction of the mm -hmm. dark saber into live action star wars just him being this kind of like catmos foil for mando particularly in season two and and for that being uh it's not open-ended as we complete the season although i think you and i are in agreement like this guy's uh tormenting of our heroes is not done within this series. It seems like there's more to go on with this character. It might just be what Giancarlo Esposito is, is capable of as a, a really excellent actor. But um, for his small amount of impact on Star Wars thus far, I don't feel uh, um, like we've gotten all we can get. And I really like what we've gotten so far. So it's just, I guess it's just his hit rate is really high for me. Yeah, no, I think that uh, that's a that's uh, a really good choice. Uh, he's somebody that I didn't have as as high, but somebody that we're going to continue to see develop. We don't mm. know his full story yet. He could potentially skyrocket through the ranks as we see that he's been maybe working with Thrawn, or we hear more about the Night of a Thousand Tears. Uh, he has so much history in saying so little. Everything he says is so careful that it means something and you know it's layered. You know, he's saying it with a dagger in your gut yeah. because he's saying it with intention to make you hurt. Uh, the way he introduces Din Jaren by just calling him out by name. Uh, he's a badass character and somebody that for a show was really instrumental and important to Star Wars. You need to have a good villain. And they succeeded with Moff Gideon. So certainly a good choice. I would I would agree with you on there. Number 37. This is the most obscure character on the list. Okay. Um, okay. This is the most obscure character on the list. Uh, maybe the most obscure character in my top um, 100. Uh, if you're a novel reader, it's not an obscure character. Uh, but this character has only appeared in a couple books. Uh, and this would be Thrawn's sidekick in uh, the Thrawn books, Eli Vanto. Okay. Uh, he is kind of a, a backwater guy who's really, really good at like mapping and math. And uh, he joins the Empire up. He's got like a trade background. It runs in the family. But he looks at things a little differently because he's kind of grown up around this and Thrawn takes a liking to him. And Thrawn's an outcast because Thrawn is an alien amongst a bunch of men. And this kind of blue collar guy and this genius from another galaxy form a really, really wonderful friendship mm. and a really great bond. And that first Thrawn book is still my favorite of all the Star Wars books. And that's like... 
a 15 hour audio enjoyment and having like essentially the the second lead uh you spend so much time with eli vanto he is such a likable character i really really hope we get him uh in some capacity uh live action uh through thrawn's introduction i don't think we will really dave filoni doesn't seem to care too much about what timothy zahn has currently written Mm. he seems like he's eager to give us a lot of thrawn uh and to use the inspiration of thrawn's introduction in the 90s more so than using the current stuff that Timothy Zahn is writing, uh, which is the stuff that I really love and is what introduced Eli Vanto. So easily the most obscure character, but somebody that I've spent more time with than some characters that we've ranked ahead just because they're big screen movie characters. They just get a little bit more cachet. And so he's somebody that uh, just stood head and shoulders above the rest as a character created for the novels, but um, seemed real to me. I'm I'm pretty sure you've never even mentioned Eli Vanto to me. That feels like a completely new maybe name. once. And I mean, I don't know about uh, how how uh, Dave Filoni feels about Timothy Zahn characters, but like, if a character already exists and there's this like built-in set of characteristics and fundamentals about him, it seems like this Eli Vanto could be part and parcel with Thrawn, and they're gonna bring Thrawn in in a big way. And it would be satisfying to fans of those books if he's just like at his side. I don't see why why they wouldn't do that. Yeah, I certainly hope not. I certainly hope that that's the case. Uh, he wasn't in Rebels, uh, but that timeline-wise and the way that those were written, that could maybe make sense. Uh, so yeah, my fingers are crossed for that. Uh, and, but yes, I understand that that was certainly an obscure choice. And my next one is going to be obscure for you, but not necessarily so for, for modern Star Wars. But you're up next with, uh, what is it, 38? 38 is Owen Lars, who is like never real i mean until very very recently was never a heroic figure but he still served a very important narrative role within star wars in order for luke to feel stuck on tatooine there had to be somebody who was sticking him there and he was doing so out of love and fear which is very reasonable put yourself in in anyone's shoes in the original star wars movie and i think you're going to have a very easy time relating to Owen Lars, who's ultimately a good person, if a cranky one. And then more recently, he's been portrayed um, quite quite excellently by Joel Edgerton in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Those same attributes, but just in a slightly younger man. The uh, fate of, of the Larses is grim, um, but just the idea of there being like working class uh family people out there in the galaxy far far away we don't actually spend a lot of time with people like that and he's a complicated person for a very little amount of screen time overall he's there as like one of the very initial characters in all of star wars and his presence leaves an impact um i guess i don't know what else to say but like i think i think that this guy is there at all and that you've occasionally found him like too grumpy to tolerate means he's very effective as a character yeah, I think you said that really well. Uh, the iconic uh, Owen and Baru holding baby Luke, tw- staring at the twin sons uh, when they buy R two and three PO. Oh yeah, uh, the 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 burnt the burnt corpses when Luke goes home. Um, that would lead them home, uh, <laughs> and he just he cares so much, and we see that in Obi Wan Kenobi. And that's a really, really nice thing that they explored. I think Joel Edgerton 
hits a 10 out of 10, 11 out of 10 performance in that show. Uh, although it's small, I think he gives probably the best performance of anybody. He embodies Owen Lars. He connects those two trilogies so seamlessly. He looks the part. He sounds the part. He feels the part. Uh, he emotes the part. He cares. He's grumpy and angry. And uh, he's, he's been with us since the start. And so yeah. great choice. Yeah. Uh, number 39. Number 39, uh, this is uh, one of the best droids in Star Wars and uh, a new addition, uh, BD-1. Okay. Uh, so BD-1 is the little buddy droid, the kind of backpack droid uh, in Jedi Fallen Order. And this droid has personality for days, uh, is a wonderful little sidekick and companion, could, if, if, if put in live action, could sell an ungodly number of toys and would uh, kick BB-8 down the street. Uh, <laughs> BD-1 is so cute. Uh, he looks like a tiny ATST, uh, and he folds up. Uh, he was handed down from one Jedi to Cal. He kind of felt lost. He's like a little bit of a puppy, sort of. He kind of gives off that kind of a, a vibe, uh, similar to the way like B2 Emo is, but uh, a lot better. He's got personality, even though he doesn't speak. Uh, BD-1 is an incredible example of star Wars still being able to just know its DNA so well and know why we love star Wars and what the fans are going to find incredibly endearing. And this is a perfect example of like uh, the in a vacuum, a uh, brand new perfect star Wars droid. They gave it to us uh, just a couple of years ago. with Jedi fell in orders. That was awesome. Because they have tried a little bit to merchandise Lola I don't know how effective that's been. Merchandising BB-8 was extremely effective. And, and that's not hugely surprising. Like he was the new R2-D2 and Star Wars was like brand new again. And like they could create little remote control balls that roll around like Lola, your Lola that you buy at Toys R Us can't actually fly. Like maybe you can buy like a $500 Lola drone. Maybe. Maybe it exists. But like, I, I guess I'm not familiar with this droid and, and, and why would I be? Um, but very popular. Yeah. Yeah, extremely popular. There is a Lego set um, because of like the popularity of this droid. And I encourage you to just look him up just because if you see a picture, you'll realize, oh, he's freaking cute. Okay. And that's just like, it's just endearing from the start. Uh, he even has little eyes, even though he is he's a <laughs> droid, but uh, very Star Warsy. I'm looking at him. Yeah, he is cute. He does kind of look like a little puppy. He's got two legs. And like you, when you like find him, he's like one of them's kind of like sprained, and you got to like fix him up, and so he hobbles over. He's just he's incredibly endearing, and to have that as like your 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 navi, uh, your your companion in the video game is is awesome because it, you're you're feeling it. He's alongside you. It's great. So that was number thirty nine, BD one. Number forty. I wonder if you're going to challenge me on this. I hope you don't. I'm not going to pull this trick again. It is interesting that you just said uh, Fallen Order because my number forty is Kyle Katarn. Oh, you went legends. I had to. No. I'm not, not going to pull this trick again. I don't have like a deep relationship to Star Wars Legends, but I do have a deep relationship to myself as a Star Wars fan. And That's... I'm like a little kid playing these computer games. And most of the time I'm Kyle Katarn in them. And yeah. in Mysteries of the Sith, he has an orange lightsaber like way before, frankly, like never mind Ray, way before Mace Windu has a purple one. And... And like that was like a real way to interact with Star Wars 
again and again and again and again every day in these video games we referenced on this podcast before uh jedi knight also like his story is like kind of cool that he like starts out a hero then he has a villain arc then he's redeemed they have used little bits and pieces of kyle katarn in more canonical star wars again he's never going to be brought in um there's just kind of too much baggage there with like old legends but kyle katarn is really important to me and so i feel good about this yeah i I'm, I, I, I can't fault you for that. Uh, it, it totally makes sense. We'll throw our an honorable mention so at the end, uh, so in, in our heads we'll have more than 66. So it doesn't really matter. Uh, this is a great choice. Uh, Kyle Katarn has been brought into live action in the form of Cassian Andor mm. and Cal Kestis. Uh, and I, I think those are probably the closest we're going to get. Uh, Cassian, uh, I, I believe they were casting someone to kind of look like him. Uh, and he uses the Kyle Katarn blaster. Uh, he's a, a rebel who steals the plans for the Death Star. Kyle Katarn did all those things. Uh, Cal Kestis is a, a Jedi who has to um, rely on scrappiness and a blaster at his side during the time of the Empire. Uh, and um, I'm sure we'll meet up with Luke at some point to learn a valuable lesson, uh, very much along the lines of Kyle Katarn. And so he's being brought up again because people care so much. And it's also great that you have Cal Kestis as the video game kind of sequel there because you get to play as him. Yeah. yeah the amount of time we spent playing Mysteries of the Sith uh, it would be a shame to have Kyle Katarn not included on this list. Uh, he is a fun character, and that orange lightsaber was awesome to cut up some stormtroopers with. So, yeah. wonderful choice there, sir. Uh, number 41. Number 41. Let's see. Uh, Dr. Afra. Oh, yeah. Dr. Afra is a character who I've, I've mentioned certainly a few times. Huge comic book star. Uh, that is the medium for Dr. Afra. Uh, I am not a huge comic book consumer. I will consume a few Star Wars YouTube videos here and there to get caught up on kind of the lowdown as to what's been happening in the Vader comics or what's been happening in, in the general comic uh, Star Wars world. Uh, but Dr. Afra did still also have an audiobook, and that was very much uh, a bit of a retelling of some of her of the the greatest hits in the comics. And boy, is this a good character. Uh, a really, really sassy, um, smart, uh, thieving Indiana Jones type archaeologist. Um, quippy, fun, uh, has a relationship with Darth Vader because she's a valuable uh, asset finder. Uh, she's got uh, an evil uh, reprogrammed uh, battle droid. Uh, no, not battle droid. Uh, battle droid or protocol droid? Protocol droid. Um, and she's just overall, it's a a really interesting character that is teed up to at some point get a live action introduction. Uh, she's a lot of fun, uh, great for representation, and uh, likely would be portrayed by uh, someone of, of, of an Asian uh, descent uh, or uh, heritage uh, and uh, is uh, a queer character. And uh, something that's really openly explored as opposed to a footnote in the character, uh, a really just smart character too. somebody that uh, is smart, wants you to know it, uh, but doesn't want to have to necessarily put in the work. So uh, a fun character that uh, I'd like to see more of. You are really chalking up this top 66. In fact, this top 44 with like a lot of extended characters who schmoes like me do not have a relationship to at all. Now, beyond you're having talked about them on the podcast for a number of years. And I do feel like I have a picture of Dr. Afra based on your uh, enthusiasm about her. I am excited to see her. 
Mm. Yep, no particular leads at the moment as to when we could see her arrive uh, on screen, but uh, everything I've received thus far, uh, I love Dr. Afra, and certainly uh, worthy of this slot, especially with the amount of uh, Disney content uh, in the comic world. So uh, in number 42, uh, I mentioned a minute, a minute ago that Star Wars keeps trying to recreate the menace of like the B-tier villain of Jabba the Hutt. There's that worm in Solo. I actually think this is the best example, and it also... Uh, falls victim to your criticism of it not working as well when the character speaks English. Having said that, I think Watto has a special place in my heart that I can only explain through nostalgia. He is a Jabba the Hutt type villain, right? He's a bad guy. He's so sleazy. You can't root for him. He is freaking hilarious. And uh, all of his interactions are with Qui-Gon Jinn, who we've established is like my whole heart in in my original relationship with Star Wars. Um stuff about the design of the character that's like maybe problematic um and and just like the overarching theme of enslavement is of course like very ugly to have to to grapple with in star wars but <laughs> the the culture of pod racing and what they've done to expand livelihood on tatooine in the phantom menace via your time spent with this creepy junk salesman uh, is is really good in that. It's one of the better uh, sequences of episode one. And like I said, Watto has a charisma that I can't put my finger on. And so I'm putting him in number 42. That's that's a great choice. Uh, I'm not going to argue it. He, he wasn't in my top 66, uh, <laughs> but Watto is charismatic. Like you said, he's hilarious. He's funny uh, in the way that he's he's so hateable, but he's also he's clearly the butt end of the joke. You know, he's not going to win. You know, Qui-Gon's going to be able to find a way to move that die uh, and the just overconfidence in like Sebulba. But this kind of weird relationship that he has with Anakin, where it's like, yeah, you're like. You're kind of my slave. You're all right with that, right, buddy? And it's just like it, it's it's totally messed up. But at the same time, it's like this kind of like weird presentation that they that they give it to us. And it doesn't mean that we 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 like it. We had Palpatine in our top ten. Palpatine is is space Hitler. Uh, it's just that it's an interesting character. He provides a really uh, good outlook onto this part of the Star Wars galaxy. And so, uh, great choice. Okay, uh, number forty three. This is your last pick of the day. Uh, last pick of the day. Uh, there, there's uh, I'm surprised, surprised of a couple people that uh, I haven't gotten to and that will not make our top 44. But my last pick of the day is going to be a, a fairly new character, uh, and that would be Mayfeld. Uh, I oh, think yeah. Mayfeld uh, is a fantastic addition, a character with a ton of backstory. He's a sharpshooter for the Empire, somebody who's clearly doing a lot of, of jobs uh, to just make it through uh he didn't care about the empire we see that it really scarred him that episode where he uh where they break into the refinery uh and they have like the whole brown eyes moment uh and they they talk about burning Khan, and he just can't hold it back and he needs to to just confront that officer and just shoot him incredible and that it just doesn't matter it just has this explosion for a show where Grogu is the heart of the show to have the one episode that doesn't include Grogu be the best episode of the series because of Mayfeld and the emotion that he brings to it and the depth of that character. 
that's pretty damn impressive in my opinion. And so I was thrilled with what we got. He's funny. He's interesting. And he just makes sense that there'd be a lot of people really scarred and didn't want to be part of the empire and were lied to and felt cheated by it. And he's an every man. Um, but at the end of the day, he, he does want to do the right thing and he does do the right thing. Uh, and so that's really great. Mayfeld's an awesome character. I also think like Bill Burr is one of those people who just up and gets nominated for best supporting actor one day that just like out of nowhere, some like little a 24 yeah. movie comes out and he's like somehow incredible in it. And maybe he doesn't win, but he is a really, really good actor. He's like a great artist on top of being, um, like second to being like top comic and and yeah absolutely a big part of what makes the character successful it's easy to joke that he's he's from like space boston or whatever he's just doing like the bill burr thing in a galaxy far far away that's sort of true but then there also is a lot of humanity in the character and so that's why that episode is so great yeah you know he has a mom yeah well said yeah i think i'm gonna uh this isn't a zag but i think i'm going to surprise some people considering how much I've talked about uh, Cassian in a particular in particular light this year. I'm going to put him in number 44. Um, not, nice choice. Not because I, I, I felt any particular way about the Cassian series. In fact, mostly because I think Rogue One is kind of a masterpiece. I don't have a problem with Cassian Andor. I think that he doesn't effectively lead the series that otherwise was kind of like, to me, dull, but I realize that's a hot take. I think the overall story of Cassian is very, very important. And he's um, he's party and, in fact, leader to some of the most significant moments in recent Star Wars. Uh, Diego Luna is a really solid guy, and he's a really good actor. And I am excited for Andor Season 2 because I think that's when I'm going to finally connect with some of like the, the bigger splash of that character's story. But you can put on Rogue One at any time. Frankly, I, I struggled to, to, to decide whether it's him or or Jin Erso who I want to uh, put ahead. I haven't totally worked it out in my heart. Might change tomorrow. But I really love them as a pair. Um, and, and obviously, yeah, in spite of everything I've said, obviously Cassian is heroic. Yeah, great choice. I had Cassian mid-40s as well. Uh, very timely. Uh, I actually have Cassian significantly ahead of Jin. I think that he's the, the emotional heart. He's the one that gets all those people to go side with Jin and go do the suicide mission on Scarif. It's not Jin. Cassian is the one right. who's lived and breathed inside of the rebellion. And as much as I know it didn't necessarily sit with you as as well, I really enjoyed the the especially the second half of Andor and getting to see how how this guy develops into into the leader uh, and kind of that emotional backbone uh, of not, not wanting to do what you need to do but knowing it's the right thing to do in the big picture and being the one who's able to do it. Uh, and so he's, he's an important character, even though he doesn't necessarily have the, the charisma on screen that he does off screen right. because the man is so outrageously likable. He's incredibly, incredibly likable and funny and seems to love Star Wars. So I'm very happy that we have Andor. I'm really excited for season two. Uh, I think this is a really nice uh, kind of cap to to a section of our list as well, uh, because yeah, Cassian, we're gonna we're gonna see maybe his best moments are yet to come, and so maybe the top twenty two is is not outside the realm for our man Cassian Andor. Well, that is the middle tier. We've now ranked forty four Star Wars characters, and we'll be back next week to complete the list of sixty six. Should I run them down now, or should I begin next week's episode by by recapping these 22. And 
do the recap now. Okay, okay. Starting at number 23, we had Finn, then Padme, C-3PO, Mace Windu, Captain Rex, Cobb Vanth, Hondo, Tarkin, Cad Bane, Poe Dameron, Jabba the Hutt, Count Dooku, Ventress, Moff Gideon, Eli Vanto, Owen Lars, BD-1, Kyle Katarn, asterisk, Dr. Afra, Watto, Mayfeld, and Andor. Very different tone of people from our initial 22. It looks very different. Yeah, it is not the same classic set of Star Wars characters, but it is what you need. It's that lived in a second half. It's a great crew of secondary characters. You give me a movie starring anyone in here or a series starring anyone in here, I am eager to watch it, even Cassian. Uh, <laughs> now, I'm curious. I just went through those right there. Who did you have at... Um, uh, 31 at 31. Hang on a second. I just closed my document, but I can bring it up for you. I have started to shuffle things around like in real time. Uh, 31. I had Ahsoka like way down from, you. no, sorry. No, I meant who, who is 31 on our list? I missed that one in, in going over it, but Oh, that's interesting. That is far down, uh, well, especially why, compared to some of the other ones. Why wouldn't it be? You have so much more time spent with Ahsoka. I love and respect her. I just say, yeah, I just, she's not top of mind uh officially 31 is cad bane cad bane that's who it was i just i accidentally wrote hondo in two spots and so I, see. I had to correct that we would Perfect. very much like to see your lists we realize it's a big undertaking but it can be a lot of fun if you want to come up with like a top 11 a top six a top 66 man mad props if you can do it email uh recorder 66 podcast at gmail.com you can tweet record at Recorder66. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe on your preferred podcast app and do the same if you're joining us on YouTube. When we are back next week, we will, of course, round out this big endeavor from numbers 45 through 66, and we can't wait to do it until we are together again. May the Force be with you.